0: Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 83 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder.
1: And I am Jacob Maracle. We're
0: happy to be here today. It is that wonderful time of year where you need, like... A parka in the morning and then like a tank top.
1: I am freezing. <laughs> the evening, I do not know whether I'm having an allergy attack or I'm getting a horrible cold at the same time. Uh, don't tell
0: oh. me that while we're sitting like two okay. feet from each other, breathing in a very small space.
1: It's all right though because I get to jam out to that song. I'll I'll stop. Be.
0: I guess it's appropriate since we're doing part two of post-apocalyptic films and books that you could be carrying one of those patient zero viruses right now.
1: It's this is how it all begins, people. <laughs>
0: this is literally <laughs> the, how it all begins. The
1: all booked up virus of (laughs) 2019.
0: And I'm the only other person to get it. And then I'll be in a library full of people. Whoa. Look out, everybody. Oh,
1: that's kind of cool. Because then you get to do that scene where you're like Gwyneth Paltrowing staring at the wall all sweaty. And then I get to be like walking a bunch of group people and I just like fall down dead.
0: Uh, She's so creepy in that movie. Her face is truly horrifying and contagion. It's
1: pretty awesome,
0: actually. Um, (laughs) But there is definitely something so strangely alluring to people about post-apocalyptic movies i think it's much in the same way that like there is appeal to checking out abandoned places yeah Like i always love you walk in you like find an old school that's been abandoned and you're like whoa like look at these empty turned over desks
1: they, they totally did arithmetic <laughs> you, <man? laughs> yeah
0: i don't know if it's like the disquiet of it or the desolation but i would say that there is something inherently interesting about Watching expanses of nothingness.
1: Well, look at all those documentaries they're doing about like Chernobyl and uh, the. City yeah, that absolutely. I
0: like, we're all really drawn, drawn to it. And I'm definitely like, I am one such person. I will choose like to watch the aftermath of the end more than any other genre of movie like the post-apocalyptic dystopian has always been my favorite sort of book and film
1: I would agree with that they're the most I don't want to say fun because they're not fun but they're always most visually interesting even they the, are even the video games they make on them are fanta- fantastic but like
0: I don't know why we think so much about how civilly civilization will look once it crumbles and how humanity will react to it but obviously a lot of people are interested in that yeah because the stuff keeps coming up and also I would just like to state that I am keenly aware that no matter how much training that these books and movies have done for me I would probably not survive for long in a post-apocalypse
1: you don't don't think so you don't like your odds there
0: I mean yeah, no, probably not. I think about it a lot weirdly when I'm showering, and I'll be okay. like, man, I'm going to miss hot showers so much. Like, it's going to be terrible when I have to wash with dirty bucket ice cold rainwater. So I think that might be I mean, why. You could
1: still heat up the water. Yeah, that's not gonna work. You're you're not not gonna gonna, like scoop water
0: and heat it in a little pan. It would take forever. You're heating what?
1: I like how one full
0: at a time.
1: I love how one of your dreads about the apocalypse is that you'll have to take baths, like lukewarm baths. They
0: won't be lukewarm. They'll be look, look. I've traveled (laughs) in places that don't have showers. You don't heat up a saucepan of water and then try to bathe in it. You bathe in collected rainwater. And it's freezing cold and it's outside and it's miserable. Nothing compares to a hot shower.
1: I mean, no. But, you know, you could always just bathe in the blood of your enemies. That that could work (laughs) out too. That's a very good... (laughs) (laughs) That's a good survival strategy. As soon
0: as I catch him, you're right, that blood's hot. Yeah,
1: there you go, see? Wow. already got one hack for you right I, off the I bat. I
0: definitely, when things go down, I want to be with you because look at these ideas oh, you have. I
1: got a million of them, man. I'm, I'm good to go on the apocalypse. Don't worry about that. Oh,
0: my Lord. All right, we should probably just get right into it before I learn we're, more horrifying things about you. We're
1: giving away our secrets <laughs> right, right before we started here.
0: Yeah, such a good one. Um, So going to start with probably the best book, uh, to me, about the apocalypse. Oh, I just thought of another book that I love so much. I like how that happened. Um, but The Road ah, by Cormac McCarthy. That's my we, favorite author, you know. I do know.
1: As depressing as that is.
0: Well, I mean, he writes so well that that, that is acceptable. The Road, when I first read it, I was like, this book is amazing and I'm like, this is gonna be the book that I like recommend to friends when they want a book, and the book that I gift to people because I'm like, who knows about it? And then it became like well, every, every award winning, possibly Oprah book. So then I was like, well, now I can't recommend it to anyone. Now it's mainstream, and I was mad.
1: It's a it's an extremely well written book. You're like I know you may, you use the word mainstream there, but that's kind of like the way that it feels. It's just so it's so beautifully written like, yeah it's i mean so it's, it's very felt.
0: accessible even what it's about so it is about father and son walk alone through burned america and nothing moves in the ravaged landscape except just just some blowing around ash and yeah. basic miserable things um it's cold enough to crack stone and when the snow falls it's gray so it really paints an image you're like okay i i get it's what we're doing we got a dark sky yeah, not good uh, and their destination, this father and son, is the coast, although they don't know what, if anything, awaits them there. No. But and I feel like in all post-apocalyptic films and books, you always are on like a journey to somewhere that you think is going to be better.
1: Sure. You're either going south or you're going towards water source. Like it's always one of the two.
0: Absolutely. Uh, they have nothing, just a pistol to defend themselves against the lawless bands that stalk the road. They have the clothes that they're wearing, a cart full of scavenged food and each other. That's it.
1: This is, it's, oh, it's such a good book. I'm trying, I'm remembering some of the stuff that I was like reading and even seeing in the the movie that came out as well, the Viggo Mortensen flick from a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah, like like you said, it's just, it's a profoundly moving story of a journey. Like it is mostly just the two of them. There are some other characters introduced, but you are never bored. Like you're kind of on your ed- edge of the sea with them and it really boldly imagines a future where no hope remains, but... But in which this father and son are each other's world, you know, entire. It's just them. And they are kind of sustained by their love for each other.
1: Yeah. So
0: there's real beauty in it.
1: And the fact that they are like just taking like the like little moments of joy that are in this horrible landscape. Like they just mean so much more. And it's uh, interesting the way that you try to get the author gets you into their head about it. Because like there's a scene where they like find a Coke and it's like the greatest moment of both of Uh. their lives just because they found this one random And he'd thing. never
0: had one that a kid has never tasted like soda
1: I know and, and then it's like oh even in the movie like when you see like Mortensen is like no you go ahead and the kid makes him try and you just like the look on his face is like oh my god it's yeah like the greatest thing ever just there's so much good stuff in and even book. the
0: bad stuff that happens it's kind of like an unflinching meditation on the worst and the best that we are capable of like ultimate destructiveness and desperate tenacity and the tenderness that keeps two people alive in the face of total devastation I don't know why but a little bit of that was lost for me in the film you think or the film maybe because in my mind I'm able to read things and create as much hope as I want or not but in the film it's just like it's really stark it's it's almost too unyielding you're really never given a break from it I think the film is saved because of the just hauntingly powerful performances by Viggo Mortensen and that Cody McPhee who plays his son um but again i thought the book really surpassed the film
1: well i can't argue with that that's the old the book's better than the movie guys i know it does
0: happen a lot i hate to be that person but
1: i (laughs) have a degree in this case but yeah they're just oh i love that book so much one of my favorite favorite books i definitely
0: saw that movie um andrew and i went on christmas because we always go to the movies on christmas and that was the one we saw and we were like this was bad choice, we said. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> you go to,
1: see, man, oh man, there's a Star Wars always, movie out or something? We
0: always see something. The one year we saw Black Swan, we were just like, our Christmas movies are terrible. I
1: remember going to see Black Swan at Christmas, and I loved it. I thought that was a good Christmas choice. The road? Really? Yeah, a little bit too dark. A little too dark It's pretty the
0: dark, but... Jeez. You know, it, it, it fits. So, okay, that I that like, is yeah. like kind of the best to
1: start with. you just walking around Jingle Bells, <laughs> <Just> throwing tinsel. <laughs> What's like, the point? Yeah, we're all <laughs> going to be dead on the road soon.
0: What do you have?
1: Speaking of being dead on the road, oh, I'm going to go with fantastic. the, the Mad Max series. The yeah, entire you, group of it. You have to. So, everybody has seen these movies, at least one of them. Are they all a continuation story? Are they all separate ones? Is it even the same guy, necessarily? It all mm. depends who you talk to. But... At this point, it is undoubtedly like one of the most famous, if not the most famous, post-apocalyptic series. Certainly, the most successful. I mean, they got four movies and an Academy Award for Best Picture nomination out of the series. Yeah. So it and started. That
0: last movie, man, it was oh, so good,
1: so <laughs> glorious, <laughs>
0: so glorious.
1: The first movie came out forty years ago now, 1979 for the first Mad Max movie, and that was followed by The Road Warrior in 1981. Uh, what was it, Beyond Thunderdome in 1985.
0: We don't need another hero. You Wait, like that?
1: What is, what is Tina Turner doing in here? <laughs> <laughs> I th- I I'm so. just, Oh man, I'm starstruck at the moment. I don't know where to go.
0: Move on,
1: jerk. And, and then after that it is 2015. So they took a nice 30 year break and then 2015's <laughs> Fury Road came out with Tom Hardy and just basically made everybody and Charlize. and Charlize. She really kills it. And then everybody in the world was like, oh that's right, these movies are awesome so if you somehow have not seen them it's a story of mac max rock tansky which is one of the great all-time last names in movie history where he is just a um, police officer on the mfp which is basically like the last resort police for the australian outback uh he sees his partner get horrifically burned, his family murdered, and he basically loses it and just starts going on. It's
0: actually a little gruesome. I don't really love the early films. The
1: first movie is a little on the slow side. Yeah. But by, by when it gets going, and yeah, it goes full on yeah. horror gangs it's, on the road it's a there. little rough. Um, but then he decides, you know, I'm going to get some revenge. So he goes on and starts taking out motorcycle gangs. Basically jump forward, some kind of apocalypse happens which they never really get into. It's sort of implied. I that think it's, it's always oil. like,
0: yeah, the oil and then water runs out, which is always gonna, which is probably going to be what we all end up fighting about right. if so, we run out of fresh water.
1: Something to look forward to. It's a good thing that everybody <laughs> still manages to find plenty of tires. Interesting little side. <laughs> a lot of tires. whole lot and of tires. And the
0: electric guitars that shoot fire. Um, <laughs> be,
1: <laughs> yeah, you love I that. love scene. the guitar. Oh, my <laughs> God. I still remember seeing that, and i like, I am not –
0: I, wanted, I think I, like, fist-pumped in the theater. I was like, this is so cool. Yeah,
1: you'd heard people clapping. I think we actually saw this movie together. So everybody's, like, in there clapping and, like, just jumping up and down. Oh, so great. I'm not going to get into the series all, but basically some of the it's best. It's
0: must-watch.
1: They, they are. Just some of the best car chase scenes you're ever going to see in movie history. This is also before you necessarily cared about whether stuntmen got injured because, boy, does it look like some people getting horribly hurt in some of these crashes that they're doing. Yeah. Because it's just camera on a guy, and then you just see somebody flipping over and you're just like, oh boy, that's not good. Yeah, could. no,
0: that's that's really scary, especially that's weird timing because this morning I was just reading a story about a stunt woman from the last Resident Evil movie who is suing the production company because she got her arm ripped off.
1: I remember that during story. During a
0: stunt, yeah.
1: I remember that story, and that was was pretty brutal back then, it's yeah. That's
0: really awful. But,
1: so. I mean, go check it out, everybody. And, the, you know, the least horrifying thing about it, which um, in this whole future, is the fact that Mel Gibson was introduced to us with this movie. It's before we knew all the horrible stuff about him. But, yeah. you know, He's doing what he's doing. Yeah, this we, is, love,
0: we love young Mel.
1: This is good Mel Gibson. So this is good Mel Gibson. He's at, Back back when he had his Australian are they, accent. Are
0: they making another one or what? With well, Tom Hardy? What's going on?
1: Depends on who you talk to. Like uh, George Miller says he's going to make it, but then he's also like, I need a mil- like $500 million to make it or whatever. <laughs> I, that's not the actual <laughs> number, but that's, awesome. that's what awesome. he does now. But yeah, you oh, give him okay. that much, but there'll probably be another one coming out soon. So stay tuned, everybody.
0: Okay, so the next film that I want to talk about, I'm going to lighten it up here because right. it always gets a we're getting, little, a yeah, little we're dark and heavy. at the beginning. Um, the film Seeking a Friend for the End of the World.
1: You think that's lightening it up?
0: Well, I mean, it has humor. It's
1: a good movie, but, man, that's... Oof, okay. Well, you know, we'll so... Get into it.
0: This film is about the announcement that an enormous asteroid will obliterate Earth in less than a month.
1: So will will is the important will. word
0: there. Will. It's, it's happening. Everyone on Earth knows it, so it's going to... Um, So what that does is it brings an end to the marriage of mild-mannered insurance salesman Dodge, who's played by Steve Carell, so you already know it's wonderful. I mean, his wife just leaves him on the spot. She's kind of like, oh, we only have a month left. I don't want to hang out with you. Um, Reasonable ish, I suppose. (laughs) And after his bold young neighbor, Penny, who's played by Kieran Knightley, friend of the show, um, she belatedly delivers a letter to him, to Dodge, from his former sweetheart. And then he decides, like, well, then I'm going to, I must go find her. Like, I want to find the love of my life before it's too late. So Dodge and Penny embark on a road trip that eventually kind of brightens their outlook, if not the
1: world's outlook. I mean, this is... This movie, I think, is led a lot by the performance and chemistry that Keira Knightley and... uh Steve Steve Carell have have, have, because they were actually really good together
0: and it's like depressing but it has funny moments so I'm going to play a clip Um, so this is Dodge who's still going to work like people are still living the exact same lives even though they only have a month to go Um, so this is just him at his insurance sales (laughs) job
1: I'm sorry sir that's not
0: covered under your current policy I'm afraid the Armageddon package is extra yes Well, that protects you and your family against any sort of apocalyptic disaster. Asteroids, obviously. Plague,
1: famine, locusts. Drawbacks. Um, The premiums are high.
0: I'm sorry. Uh, Can you just hold on for one moment? Thank you. Uh,
1: (coughs) So, uh, feel free to wear your casual Friday clothing uh, pretty much any day of the week. And since Ted, in human resources, is no longer with us... uh, (laughs) I I thought I'd uh, let you all know of a few positions in upper management that have been made available. Uh, So, uh, if anyone wants to be Chief Financial Officer, CFO, anyone? Life has no meaning. Anyone?
0: So I love that clip because I'm like, you know, people would still be calling for insurance drawbacks. Um, you're gonna be dead. In yeah, one line. this <laughs> like is it's,
1: completely unnecessary.
0: Um, I and like. No, go ahead. And
1: still going to work. Like, no way.
0: I think people just like need the structure. But that's so that's what's really fun about the film is that you imagine what you would do and what you would stop doing if you knew with absolute certainty that the world was gonna end in like three weeks from now.
1: Oh yeah, it's gonna be just. Like the fall of Rome, basically, is what's going to be going on around me. I know that.
0: (laughs) I'm sure. I mean, Martin Luther once said that he would plant a tree and Werner Herzog would start a film.
1: He would just like narrate the entire, that'd be great, you know what, because if they found that film... Can you imagine a Werner Herzog covering the apocalypse of
0: that voice? (laughs) The world was smoky ash. As the (laughs)
1: asteroid approached, the whole world gasped. It
0: would be really good.
1: Um, I actually want to see that now. I want the world to end just so we get the Werner Herzog.
0: That sounds like you. So, yeah, again, we were saying this film never really got enough press, but it is tender. It's charming. It's well-acted. I don't know. Is it maybe a disappointing final act? I'm not sure. No,
1: I don't think so. Okay. I thought that the final act was fine. The ending was like exactly what I wanted out of this movie. And
0: I, I, the best parts are this th- of the film kind of involve the middle stretches. Yes, I would say. The,
1: it's like the little road trip kind yeah, of. Yeah, because
0: when time, however limited time is, as it reaches ahead, the characters do what they can to prevail in the face of this calamity, and that's where you kind of fall in love with the film.
1: Yeah, and I also think this was a good like. Post office movie for Steve Carell to do because it like takes his Michael character and kind of stretches it a little bit. You know, you have to, it, you don't want to just jump out and do something totally different. He's easing his way out yeah. of it. So
0: I also love that his wife that leaves him in the movie is his real life wife.
1: <laughs> it is it really? Sense. Yeah, that's real life. <laughs> that's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah.
0: That's who ca- plays Carol in The Office. Really? That's his wife in oh. real life. Yeah, the real estate agent. Oh, yeah. I
1: did not know Look that. Look at that. Oh, well, good for you, Steve Carell. <laughs>
0: Just expanded your mind. Yeah. Um. Okay. What? What? What else we got? Let's mix. Do you have any books?
1: Uh, I have a mixture of books and movies. We should put a.
0: We should put a, mo- a book in.
1: All right. I like where your head's at there. That that's your territory. You're you're the reader. Oh, the well, then you do
0: a movie and then I'll do a book next.
1: So I'm gonna go with the a little lighthearted here with 1995's Judge Dredd, starring oh Sylvester Stallone. Not to be confused. With the amazing uh, 2015. Yeah, Carl Easy River
0: was amazing. Movie. I watched it because you pushed for it, and I did not find it amazing. Well, and found I found it fine.
1: I thought, then <laughs> I do not know what to say to you anymore. <laughs> yeah. You are wrong in that okay, one. Okay, okay. Um, but the 1995 one—they uh, keep making Judge Dredd stuff. It, it, for some reason, they're like it's a good story. Everybody seems to enjoy it. But this 95 one is the one that kicked off the trend. Stallone's playing the titular Judge Dredd in Mega City One when he finds out when he gets framed for murder and sent to jail by his brother,
0: quote unquote,
1: who's trying to make a bunch of clones of himself and take over Mega City One, which to me seems a little bit impossible. But hey, you know, he's a villain. What are you supposed to do? And what makes this movie fun is it is like quintessential mid 90s action movie thing. Well, you're going to have people inexplicably able to outrun fireballs. Yeah, I love have, that. <laughs> you're going to have over-the-top acting. You're going to see a rare appearance from both Diane Lane and Rob Schneider in the same movie. Wow. And there's not a scenery that is not chewed in this movie when you have Stallone and Amanda Sante like trading off um, leading parts. Okay. This movie is just a lot of fun to watch. It is stupid as all day and... You know, you're just going to want this movie like, this is really the kind of blockbuster stuff they were doing back then, huh? It's it's incredible to think that we've gotten to where we are today. <laughs> um, but it's just a fun movie. The whole series is very interesting. And if you're also looking for something to read, as you mentioned, the uh, 2000 AD comics and the Judge Dredd comics, we have those all here at the library. And those have been running consistently for since like 1978, I believe, yeah. in real time. So... As many years has passed, which is like 41 now, is exactly the amount of time it's happened in the comics, too. So you got an elderly Judge Dredd running around, still growling at people and I do, I do love
0: my comics. Speaking of which, and kind of end of the world, is how Walking Dead came to an end. Yes, it did. 193 issues that I've read.
1: Out of nowhere, it just kind of ended. They're like, we're just going to end this book now. I think
0: he, he wanted to make it to 300 issues, but then he was like, this is the story. Like I told the story, and it's over. Um, and I really loved it. I thought the final issue was really great. Yeah, we're not, a side
1: we're not going to spoil it for you guys, but it is definitely worth checking out. They wrapped up everything finish.
0: Yeah, like as much as as much as they could. I really enjoyed that entire series.
1: So yeah, there's another bit of post-apocalyptic. There's so much.
0: Energy. There's so much good stuff out there, but oh, I right, have no to check time. out the. We'll the save, judge, we'll save that
1: ready? for oh, our zombie sode.
0: Ooh, that's a good one. Um, okay, so a book series. So this is a trilogy. I have to recommend by one of my all-time favorite authors, Margaret Atwood. Um, it's called the Mad Adam trilogy,
1: Mad and Adam.
0: Okay. the books are Oryx and Crake, The Year of the Flood, and Mad Adam. Um, the book that I like the best of it all is the one right in the middle, which is Year of the Flood. Um, Okay, so there's a lot in these books that I could talk about. I'm just going to kind of describe the the second one a little bit because, you know, you've got to kind of read them. It's, it's a little convoluted when you're just describing them. But what happened is the long-feared waterless flood has occurred, which has altered Earth as we know it and obliterated most of human life. So you got awesome. your settings there. Uh, among the survivors are Wren who is a young trapeze dancer locked inside a high-end sex club called Scales and Tails. Nice. And then Toby, who's barricaded inside a luxurious spa. Okay? So, amid shadowy, corrupt ruling powers, um, a new, like, there's gene-spliced life forms all over. Ren and Toby will have to decide on what they're going to do next because they can't stay locked away in these places. Um, And then it's kind of like their adventure. So, The inventiveness of her story and the creatures, both human and animal, is totally outstanding. You really can't stop reading. Oryx and Crake, which is the first book in the series, is a little harder to kind of grasp onto, but it's worth it to, you know, read number two and then to finish it up with the third book in the series. So the Mad Adam trilogy by Margaret Atwood. This is a great post-apocalyptic weirdo story
1: do you can cons- that sounds really cool actually she's usually pretty good at th- I, I don't she's kn-
0: great I love her so much I don't
1: know what I thought Margaret Atwood was as an author before but it is totally being disproven by everything you oh she yeah she out.
0: is she's a fantastic author
1: I thought she was like a Jane Arish kind of like writer like from way back in the day and now I'm like no I totally blew that one down. Oh, yeah, I got no. that wrong completely. yeah no
0: not not not, one bit. <laughs> not you,
1: one bit do we consider Handmaid's Tale post-apocalyptic that's an interesting thought
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, it's not that an apocalyptic event happened like an explosion or a virus or this and that. But while kind of women aren't really able to conceive children, the majority, it's kind of like a children of men-esque sort of thing so that the U.S. creates this new world, this new regime, which is really religiously fanatic and they do really terrible things. So, yeah, I think that would fall into it.
1: Okay. I was just curious. I just started it. So I'm done. The show or the book? Uh, The show. Okay. I don't know where to find the book. Where would I ever go to find a book? <laughs> that in this book and is and one
0: of my all time top 10 all time. Really? So, yeah. I'll
1: have to go stop by definitely, and see if we have any worth copies. It, so. Odds that we have any in stock? 100% because mm. the library has everything. People wow. keep that in mind.
0: Okay. We got to hurry up. I have so much more to talk about. You know it's my favorite genre.
1: Go ahead and knock out some more. I got, I'll Why save the rest sh- of mine for a future episode.
0: No, we don't need to do that. But, well, okay. Let's talk about movies that I know we've both seen in All love. right. Let's so, do how it. about 12 Monkeys?
1: Great movie.
0: We love 12 Monkeys. Excellent
1: TV show as well.
0: I haven't seen it yet. It's on my list, though. But Terry Gilliam, you are a weirdo, and sometimes either you're a home run or you're a strikeout. I don't feel like there's a middle with that I love how
1: he, you know what, though? He's swinging for the fences.
0: He is always swinging for the fences, and we appreciate it. Um, But so 12 Monkeys, pretty famous story so quickly, a deadly virus that may or may not have been unleashed by Animal Rights Group has wiped out most of mankind. So the survivors are living underground and they have figured out time travel in the meantime. Course. That's what you do when everything's destroyed. Um, it's
1: what they did in Endgame. It's a, it's a good trope.
0: So then we're in the 2030s and we have James Cole, who's played by Bruce Willis. We love Bruce so much in this. This
1: is when Bruce cared everybody.
0: And he's imprisoned, and he has been recruited for a mission that will send him back to the 1990s. Um, And then once he's there, he's supposed to gather information about this plague that's about to exterminate the vast majority of the world's population. Um, We've got crazy Brad Pitt in it, great character. Um, And then Madeline Stowe is in the film. Excellent performances, mind-blowing plot. If you somehow haven't seen 12 Monkeys... You have to. It's so good. It's
1: so so good, people. Like all the time travel elements, it has a very interesting idea on how that all works. Uh, the back and forth, like is it even happening, is another idea going in this movie. So, there's a
0: there's a lot of different ideas. There's a lot going of layers
1: on. here, people. Go check it out.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. How about another book? We talked about this book once before, so I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm just going to say the title. But Swan Song by Robert McCammon. It's the best. <laughs> That's it, Jacob. It's the best post-apocalyptic book. It's better. Take the stand.
1: <laughs> stand is garbage. Get out of here, King. You can't write endings. It's
0: swan song all the way. Okay. Okay? Swan Just, song. It's huge. Who wrote that again? It. Robert McCammon. Robert McCammon. He is famous. I think he wrote A Boy's Life.
1: Oh, which one? Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, uh.
0: Ah. You're you're
1: stupid. uh, I love how you set me up for that one.
0: Also, I want to throw out Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut. We know that I love him. We talked about him recently, but this book, this came out in 1963, and it's kind of a satiric look at the arms race, religion, technology, and just being a human, Um, and in Cat's Cradle – they have this substance called ice nine, which is a special kind of solid ice that turns um, all liquid water it touches into more ice nine. Okay. So like if you drop a cube of ice nine into a glass of water, every drop of water in the glass will turn into solid ice nine. You kind of got to read it mm. to really understand, but then you'll be thinking about ice nine a lot. All right. Um, but I wanted—I read um, a review of this by a writer and critic, Theodore Sturgeon. And I really loved this review. It gives you an idea of the book. So it's appalling, hilarious, shocking, and infuriating. This is an annoying book, and you must read it. And you better take it lightly, because if you don't, you'll go off weeping and shoot yourself.
1: What a sassy review that (laughs) was.
0: Yeah.
1: Meow on that one.
0: Yes, the cradle is a good one. Um, What else? Oh, here's another one that I know that we both love that I feel like when I picked this one, I was feeling very Jacob. Let's, oh, were you? I was very in your head. Let's
1: see how Jacob, you think I am.
0: Escape from New
1: York. Oh, yeah. that That's, that's <laughs> pinnacle <laughs> Jacob right there. You, <laughs> you nailed it. I love that movie so much. But dude. I love
0: it. I love it, too. Like, this is one we agree on in all of its cheesiness.
1: I mean, Kurt Russell, man, just him alone is enough reason to check this movie out. It, John Carpenter, oh,
0: just a perfect jumble of thrilling action and oddball weirdness. Like oh. it is just the right amount.
1: I mean, just the world that it creates, the fact that like the way they build it on such a small budget, the everything just like the whole feel of the movie just like yes pulls you in.
0: It absolutely does. But Kurt Russell truly, truly amazing. He's really shining. His hair is shining. Everything oh, his, about his him. His hair
1: is glorious. It's all. It's very flowy. It's got body. He's making. <laughs> he is making a. uh both uh an eye patch and like a muscle shirt when he doesn't have any muscles like he's got a good he's making them both just work it, it's not easy to do people underrated work oh it's one of my favorite all-time sci-fi movies
0: yeah we won't even spoil any of it for you just grab escape from new york if you haven't you're gonna have a really good weekend um i want to mention the film i really don't know if this film was popular or not sunshine
1: I don't think it was. You've seen it, though, I've right? Seen, yeah. You a like it? It's Cillian Murphy movie, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a pretty good movie. It is a high really concept. good movie. Like, now we it is like, high
0: concept, uh, but it's really, really beautiful to look at as well. This one is about the year 2057. The sun is dying, so, you know, end yeah. of humanity. That, that'll do it. And our only hope is found in a team of eight astronauts who set forth into deep space with a nuclear device of such power that it oh. could restart the sun, which is like sounds really dumb as i'm saying it, sure but works in the film however there's an accident and a grave mistake a distress beacon from a long-lost spaceship and it kind of throws the crew into a desperate tailspin
1: right i mean i don't want to tell anybody their business but obviously you, a you could do that with a rocket probably better and how about we shoot a whole bunch of nukes at the sun <laughs> why are you holding out for one here guys come mm. on Let's do a little work here.
0: It wouldn't work. We couldn't see close-up of Cillian Murphy's face then if we did it that way. Well, that's a- true. A um, I
1: can't argue with that point, I suppose.
0: And then a film I actually just watched last night that not my favorite, but have to mention because it fits into this, and I think no one's heard of it. So Turbo Kid?
1: What the? Okay. I've seen it on Netflix. and i Have was like, you? That lo- no, I've seen the video, and oh, I'm like, okay. that looks... Well, here's
0: the thing. Here's the thing. It's set in a post-apocalyptic year of 1997, but it's filmed like it's a 2015 movie. So what they're doing, it's like a retro-futuristic, nostalgic tribute to 80s action-adventure films. So they're making it look like it was shot in the
1: 80s. Okay, I can dig that. So,
0: like that is kind of funny. It's got like orphan teenager. He's trying to save his female robot companion from the hands of an evil warlord who controls the water supply. As one would. Totally it's just a nostalgic ode to kids' movies of we'll say yesteryear.
1: Yeah. That's I mean it sounds interesting. It's just it's such a bad title. Like I don't know. It's
0: a bad title. The film is not perfect, but holy moly is it gory
1: is it really it is Whoa. so gory. wait a minute now now you're starting to talk there my are language so
0: many bodies that are just repeatedly cut in half I, I didn't know how easy it was to just slice people at the waist.
1: It's incredibly easy. Don't you know their body hangs in the air for a second? Do you
0: know that if you actually slice a body from the waist, the top half can fly in the air and then land on someone's head upside down, and then they're stuck in the body of the person?
1: Oh, that's some dead alive <laughs> stuff right there. That, that's uh, that's some good stuff that I'm hearing. There's a lot of that. Maybe I have to on. go check out. I'm have to go watch Turbo Kid now. Thank you. <laughs>
0: I mean, don't hold it against me if you don't love it. It is not a perfect film. People are
1: walking around (laughs) in other people's bodies. I think I'm going to.
0: Um, Last couple books, we have to mention On the Beach by Neville Shute, one of the most famous, I'd say, post-apocalyptic books of all time. Um, It's from 1957. It's very famous, very well-respected. We've got ordinary people facing nightmare scenarios. Um, I'd say if you're a tough guy that doesn't cry, be alone when you read the end of the book.
1: Oh, man. Is there a dog involved? <laughs>
0: you might have that. And then a newer book that came out that I think could be on its way to being a classic is called Station 11 by Emily St. John Mandel. Um, just a book. It's brilliantly written, hugely engaging. It's set after a flu pandemic has killed most of the world's population, and yet remains a heartwarming story of optimism, which Boy. is difficult to do.
1: It does. And, man. We're if it's going to be a flu epidemic, isn't it? I can already it's how it's going to happen.
0: I mean, especially no one's vaccinated anymore. But a band of actors and musicians are traveling across the U.S. putting on Shakespeare shows to isolated communities of survivors. Oh, which is interesting. But the idea that like survival is insufficient. You know what I mean? Like you need art. You need things that entertain you. You need love. um, That's how you're going to rise above and survive. So that's true. Very interesting in the book. Okay, I talked so much. I'm sorry plug us up. We did it.
1: We did it. And you know what else we can do? We can tell you that you can pick up everything that you hear at All Booked Up at your local library. We have 37 branches all across Erie County. Pop on by. Tell them, hey, we like the number one podcast in Buffalo (laughs) all booked up and they told us that you got stuff I want and we're going to tell them, yes, we do. Wow. Well
0: well stated. Also,
1: when you're um, going around, don't forget to check our website, www.buffalolib.org and see where our Brookmobile is going to be because it's going to be all over the place, everybody. And go check it out. Check us out on Twitter. Follow us at All Booked Up Pod on Twitter. And you can talk to us directly, mostly Michelle, because she's the sociable one of the two of us.
0: That's <laughs> me, as you can see by how much I just talked during this entire episode. I think mean, you
1: just made the bookmobile adorable. So.
0: Um. Okay, so end of the world. I did some facts last time about possible things that could happen. And honestly, I didn't want to keep bringing up more things because we all know we are living. But this, which I think is is the most disturbing that you know people are suspecting something's sums up. The super rich have, you know, all this money. They're the super rich. And there are a lot of people who are spending billions of dollars on preparing for the end of the world. Um, There's been a lot of building of high-tech bunkers under houses, and a ton of land has been purchased in New Zealand, which we know is specifically for this because that's where, like, the winds will least blow, you know. It's the safest place
1: you're gonna be. It's impossible to get to.
0: Exactly. So for instance, Peter Thiel, um, he bought property and even citizenship there. And then uh, Reddit CEO, Steve Huffman, he admitted that he got LASIK surgery just so that he wouldn't have to worry about his glasses during the apocalypse.
1: Okay, so interesting.
0: perhaps they're on to something. Perhaps they've been given some inside information that we haven't. But everybody out there, prepare yourselves, read the books, watch the movies. You might stand a
1: better chance. You will find us. We'll help you survive.
0: Well, Jacob will, as he's helping you bathe in your enemy's blood. So there's yeah. always a, a real sunny future coming. Yeah, help, <laughs> right,
1: guys. helping you bathe in the blood. Oh, no.
0: This got dark. Catch it (laughs) next time, I hope. Bye.